0: 5%. Wow. 5%. Okay.
1: Yes. Right? So it may seem like a very small number, but that's actually 386 million people. That's
2: a lot of people.
1: Yeah, that is a lot of people. More than a handful. Now, I want to talk today about one of Taiwan's smallest languages. In other words, has one of the fewest numbers of people speaking that language, and that is from the tribe called Alua.
3: I've never heard of that tribe.
1: Can you say it? Khla'alu'a. Khla'alu'a. So, I want to tell you, as of January, this tribe had 408 people. Now, I want to ask you, um, how many...
3: this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is
2: he curious about today?
3: Taiwan is chock-full of local cultural treasures and monuments to local history. But perhaps no part of Taiwan takes quite as much pride in its history as does Ilan County, a triangle that makes up Taiwan's northeastern corner. Here, you can find the Institute of Ilan County History, a place where local people can research their genealogy, admire special artifacts of local significance, hear talks, and visit exhibits on life as their ancestors would have known it. There's nothing quite like this institute anywhere else in Taiwan, And here this week to talk with us about it is Institute head Liao Yingjie. History in this corner of Taiwan goes back deep into the past. Mr. Liao says evidence shows that people have been living here for thousands of years. Who they were is anyone's guess, but by a few hundred years ago at least, we can be a bit more
2: sure.
3: A few hundred years ago at least, the Kavalan people had settled on the lush, low-lying plain that meets the Pacific and forms the core of Ilan County today. According to their own legends, the Kavalan people arrived on this plain from somewhere out to sea. The Kavalan appear in Spanish and Dutch records of the 17th century when both European nations tried to set up colonies on Taiwan. Later, in the 18th century, another indigenous group moved into Ilan, the Atayal people, who settled up in the mountains that ring the Triangular Plain. By this point in history, though, settlers from across the Taiwan Strait were starting to arrive. And by 1812, Imperial China's Qing Dynasty laid claim to the area. Kavalan lands would be taken, and the Kavalan people would have to move away. From then on, Ilan's history and the history of the rest of Taiwan would sync up. Years of imperial Chinese rule were followed by Japanese colonization, World War II, the handover to the Republic of China, and the path from martial law to the democracy Taiwan enjoys today. But Ilan is a tightly knit area, geographically cut off from the rest of Taiwan, and so life there has always had a bit of a local flavor. In 1950, under the shadow of the Cold War and martial law, a group of Elan locals started the work that would become today's institute. At a time when official history was preoccupied with far-off mainland China, this group of people wanted to celebrate Taiwan's history instead, and especially the history that had happened right in Elan County where they lived. They traveled around doing in-depth research and gathering materials, writing up what they found. Despite official attitudes towards local history, it seems these people had some support from the county government at least, because their writings and materials stayed in storage for a long time in the county office. In the 1970s though, the group disbanded. It would be up to another group of middle school teachers with a passion for local history to rediscover all this research. They found all these old materials at the county government, but by the time they got to it, they'd been damaged because of years of improper storage in old leaky buildings. After martial law was lifted in the late 1980s and Taiwan's history became less of a taboo, these teachers started pushing for a center devoted to local history. As they saw it, if a nation must have a national history museum, then a county ought to have a county history museum too the county chief at the time, approved. It took a while, but in the early 1990s, the institute was set up. At the core of its collection were all the old materials left by the first generation of pioneers. But the institute was never meant to just store old papers. Today, for instance, it gives history teachers a source of accurate material. It's built up an impressive library that local people can look into for a peek into their family histories. Whenever they need to, town governments can pop in too for a look at how their areas have developed. A lot of the collection is digitized too, meaning that anyone can access it. There are also regular talks open to the public with expert lecturers, but most importantly, topics that will interest average people. And there are exhibition spaces too. The current exhibit puts some of the Institute's most precious objects on display, the sorts of things you can usually only see in books or in photos. Among the rare things you can see are documents showing how ethnic Chinese got land from the Kavalan people. Their contracts written in Chinese, but since Kavalan was not yet a written language, the indigenous signers show their consent with a handprint made with ink on the page. These documents are local treasures, and things kids will be familiar with from their history books. But here, you see the real thing. Of course, the themes change regularly. Last year there was another show, this one about Elon after the Chinese Civil War, when large numbers of Chinese soldiers fled and built special military villages. Many of these villages are now completely gone, or changed beyond recognition, making the Institute one of the few places where you can see what they used to look like. There's a lot more in storage, too, enough for many years of future exhibits. Mr. Liao says other treasures include a county gazetteer. During the years of imperial Chinese rule, every county would occasionally publish one of these books, filling them with information about local life. Then there are nearly 100 rubbings of inscribed stone markers and monuments from around the county. These were made by the original group of researchers we talked about those working from the fifties to the seventies. It's a good thing they made these rubbings when they did. Today, some of the stones are broken or too fragile to yield any more rubbings.
2: <laughs> Mr.
3: Liao explains that the inscriptions were made by local literary men who painted characters with ink on the stone. Stone carvers were then called in to etch the characters into the stone. There were a lot of reasons that these monuments may have been inscribed. Sometimes to honor a notable person, or to praise special scenery in verse. Sometimes the words read a bit like a magic charm used to ritually subdue evil spirits thought to reside in the place. Still others were commemorative stones, recording the difficult work used to clear a road through the countryside. Alongside these treasures, the collection also includes a lot of more everyday sorts of items. There are election pamphlets through the ages, Mr. Liao says each era reveals its character and the demands of society at the time through each candidate's promises and appeals. As far as the Institute's concerned, it doesn't matter whether the candidate ended up winning. There's also a collection of Chinese-style obituary notices. A bit grim, but also important, because they always list the family members of the deceased. This is useful when trying to draw up family trees. And the family tree building doesn't stop there. There are lots of traditional Chinese-style diagrams, still useful to local people trying to trace their
2: roots.
3: Finally, there's a big collection of advertisements. Mr. Liao says ads are great because they show off what people were thinking, their sense of design, their social concerns, their lifestyle, and of course, things like fashion and hairstyles. Since printing techniques have improved, ads have become more common, so the Institute tends to collect older ads, especially those from the Japanese colonial era and the early post war periods. These bits of everyday life are often disposable, and so getting them is a matter of luck. Fortunately, Mr. Liao says, there are collectors out there who gather these sorts of ephemera, and every once in a while, they're happy to donate them, or at least allow a photocopy to be made. Mr. Liao says this often happens when institute researchers go do interviews for field work. You never know what treasures people are going to pull out to show you, he says. As we've seen, there's a lot of books and artifacts, research and genealogy, talks and exhibits. But the thing that's important to get across is that this is not just a museum or library. It's also a place that tries to keep alive the spirit of curiosity and exploration that its founders shared. And this may be its most important mission of all, with regular training sessions for budding researchers, amateurs and professionals alike. These are the sorts of people who will keep uncovering Elan’s past and bringing it into local people's lives. There's special local history all over Taiwan, but only in Elan County will you find it all gathered in one place. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week.
2: Stroke of Light, a portrait of Taiwan through the eyes of painters, sculptors, filmmakers, and photographers.
4: Hello and welcome to Stroke of Light. I'm Jake Chen. This week... We'll continue to explore a collection of art that we have been looking at in the past couple of episodes, titled "Homage to the Masters." The collection consists of a series of paintings and sculptures created by Mr. Shu Jinhua, a highly respected performance artist in Taiwan. We said previously that Shu sets out to recreate several pieces of artworks by his favorite artists, and in that process. He explores the many themes that these artists have tackled, but in his own way. In previous episodes, we looked at several pieces of sculptures that Xu recreated. Those sculptures were originally made by Swiss artist Alberto Giacometti. This week, we are turning our attention to a piece of artwork inspired by another artist we are talking about The Dead Toreador, a painting that is believed to be completed between 1864 and 1865 by Édouard Manet, a French painter who is among the pioneers in his field to bring oil painting from a medium that is largely focused on realism to Impressionism. But with those jargons out of the way, Just what is the dead Toreador, and what makes it so significant as a piece of painting? As the title suggests, the dead Toreador shows a Toreador who is lying dead on the ground, facing up. His right hand rests calmly on his chest, as if he's trying to cover a wound. The hand of a sword is revealed under his right armpit, symbolizing his power and class. This particular Toreador is dressed in an exquisite piece of attire. We can see the tailored Toreador jacket with a piece of bright colored silk tied around his waist. In his left hand, the Toreador is holding a piece of cloth, the type that they normally use to taunt and tame a bull. The Toreador is dead, lifeless, but his aura and story seems and feels as vivid as ever. This is the power of Édouard Manet's painting. He has managed to paint a vivid portrait of a person who is no longer alive. And by meticulously crafting every detail in the frame, and I mean every detail, including the creases on the tourier clothes, as well as the blood that is gradually seeping from underneath his body. All these little details come together to show us far more than an image. Yes, visually, we see a Toreador who is dead on the ground, but we also feel the energy underneath the surface. We feel the Toreador's splendid presence in his clothes and gesture. We feel his grace and might in his posture, and we feel the violent jolt and power that suddenly takes his life. So how does Mr. Xu recreate such a painting and what is his own spin on it?
5: I have a drink, like
4: Shi points to the bottom half of his painting and tells me that he has faithfully recreated Manet's painting, applying the same lines, shapes, and largely the same colors. But it is the top half of the painting where Shi puts his personal signature. He has cut open the tube of paint that he used to make the painting. The metal pieces are stuck right on canvas he tells me that he also tilted the canvas intentionally while making the painting so that the remaining bit of paint in the tube flows gradually across the canvas much like dried blood that are spilled all around the door. shu tells me that the exposed innards of a paint tube as a deconstructive element to the painting The viewers don't just see what the image is. We see the elements that come together to construct the image because it's laid out right on top of it. This isn't Xu's first attempt to present things in a deconstructive manner. In the following episode, we'll see how he managed to recreate another painting from Rembrandt and how he adds his own touches. Thank you for listening to Stroke of Light. I'm Jake Chen, and I look forward to talking to you next week.
5: Okay, Ellen,
1: pull yourself together already. It's time to feast! Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West.
2: Hello, this is
0: Ellen Chu. (laughs)
1: This is Andrew Ryan.
0: I'm going to beat you again.
1: You beat <laughs> me. First okay. to speak.
0: Right. February 22nd. Mm. Mm. Very special day.
1: Why is that?
0: I don't know. Because, you know, this, this day keeps on ringing in my head.
1: February 22nd.
0: Yeah, because today somebody asked me, you know, to have dinner today. And um, I was thinking there's something that I need to do today. I don't remember.
1: February 22nd. I hope you're remembering right now. No. Oh, maybe it was because you wanted to be here with me in Feast Meets West. Oh,
0: maybe that's it. And that's
1: why you remembered it.
0: That's it. It must be that. Okay. Okay.
1: Well, the 24th of February, this coming Monday, Mm -hmm. is the second day of the second month on the Chinese Farmers Almanac. It's traditionally celebrated as a festival called Long Tai Tou, or the dragon raises its head.
0: Is on this day?
1: On the this coming Monday, yeah. Whoa. The second day of the second month on the lunar calendar. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Well, the dragon was regarded as the deity who is in charge of rain, mm. which of course is very important if you are a farmer and you're growing things mm-hmm. in your fields. Uh, and the festival is sometimes simply called two months two, er yue er mm. for short and so uh, they what people do is they'll celebrate this day and they will pray for the dragon to bring rain for their crops mm. so it's a very important day uh, traditionally on the traditional chinese calendar
0: very nice
1: and we're going to be talking about that t- have you heard of this before no Long tai no i think it's very interesting just imagining a big dragon rearing its head and spraying water down on the people of the earth
0: i thought dragons always have their heads up
1: they do but maybe right. uh, i don't know i don't know why they're raising their head i know yeah uh, looking heavenwards maybe mm-hmm. you know it's interesting do you remember the grand hotel There there's big fire on top uh-huh. of the grand hotel and the roof caught on yeah, fire
0: what happened and well, then?
1: when they renovated it um, they put two dragons at the uh, roof line, at the tips of the roof. To protect it? To protect it and to bring water and to bring rain so that it wouldn't catch on fire. Oh. Interesting, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, sh-
0: they should put elephants elephants
1: <laughs> <laughs> right you know you have a point there elephants spraying water on it exactly but i think the elephants would have been too big they would have fallen off the roof they I think... could
0: put it like under the four feet
1: mm, I'll, uh, and I'll...
0: they can spray water
1: i'll give them a little phone call can you and i'll say that ellen chu was suggesting
0: exactly some elephant statues. like on the four corners
1: yes and i'll see if you know they look listen you okay. know maybe and you should just call them yourself
0: maybe i should
1: maybe you should do that yeah and then report back here for the feast okay it's a deal <laughs> love it that's where we're co-hosts all right all right let's check out what's on our menu today
0: okay in our first course we'll tell you some traditions and taboos associated with the long title festival
1: in our second course, a look at some of the foods that people would eat on this holiday. Things like dragon eggs, dragon teeth, and dragon seeds. What could those possibly be?
0: Ooh, and in our third and final course, we'll be sampling dragon ears right on air.
1: You have no idea what a dragon ear is, do you? No. No. Yeah, I learned this last night. Okay. So I think it's going to be interesting. I think you'll be surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to make a guess what a dragon ear is?
0: Dragon ears. Long or er, duo. Mm. Long or long. Long-ung?
1: Like the longan fruit? Uh huh. It's a good guess because it has the word dragon in it. Uh-huh. Uh But it is not a longan. Is All it a cracker? It's not a cracker. It is not a cracker.
0: Is it a. What is it? Give me a hint.
1: Um, it is something that you probably eat pretty often.
0: Pretty often?
1: Yes. Okay, no more guesses. We're gonna go into our first song. Oh, come let you, on. I'll let you guess. You got you've got oh, two more come courses. On. Okay. You can't like ruin it right now. Alright. Alright, let's go to our first song. It's called Long Trend. It's by Jay Duan. That's right, and this is the dragon martial arts. Back in a moment with our first course and a look at some traditions and taboos related to Long tai to.
0: Okay.
1: Okay, first course today... Traditions
0: and taboos.
1: That's right. We're talking, of course, about the Long Taito Festival, a traditional festival that was held uh, on the second day of the second month, which is this coming Monday, February 24th. Mm -hmm. And the dragon raising its head. What kind of traditions and taboos do you think there are? We're going to tell you.
0: Okay, I think... Oh.
1: Hmm. Yes. Are you? Is something coming into your mind?
0: Yes, I remember what I have to do on February twenty second (laughs) now. What is it? Well, I have this dinner gathering with uh, you know, my wedding gown designer company.
1: You're getting married? No,
0: no, no, no. Okay. no. It's it's <laughs> Lin Li the right. the yeah, the owner. She designed like my wedding gown for me and she sponsored me.
1: We interviewed so, her once. Right. Mm-hmm. So
0: everybody who is like, you know, sponsored by her, becomes like part of her children
1: mm, you are so her children. every
0: year we have this gathering mm. like in the beginning of the year it's mm-hmm. called oh
1: going back then, to your right. parents house
0: so it's held on this day
1: oh so now you know what you're doing yeah there so i have go. to tell
0: my other friends that no i can't be there
1: oh no oh, oh no, no. All right, well, so that shows you that this show is very organically recorded. Exactly. Things are happening in the moment. Uh huh. Last minute changes.
0: Spontaneous.
1: Spontaneity.
0: Okay, traditions and taboos going back.
1: Okay, so as we mentioned, the Long Taito Festival is an important worship festival. Uh, it's a ritual for wishing for good harvest.
0: So it's basically more of the farmers. They would be like celebrating this, right? Because, I think so. Yeah. Because I've never heard of this.
1: Cause you're not a farmer. <laughs> I would like to be a farmer. So I'm going to learn mm. about this in today's show. So people would pay homage to the dragon King mm-hmm. and also to the earth God. Mm-hmm. And they would also do a thing where they would take, um, they would, uh, use an ancient practice to get rid of insect pests in their homes by burning various herbs Ooh. and this actually the long Taito festival takes place right around the time of ginger so it's mm. a it's a day on the uh chinese farmers almanac in which mm-hmm. the insects are awakening Ooh. and so it's kind of a we're moving into spring uh at this awakening. point in the calendar okay mm.
0: So another ancient practice, of course, you know, we do on this day is perfume bags filled with brown herbs and are made to be carried by women and children for good fortune.
1: So that sounds a little bit... Is that shangbao? Yeah, shangbao. It sounds a little bit like what we do at uh, the Dragon Boat Festival. Right. Is it a dragon connection? It sounds like it might be.
0: I think it is, you know, to kind of like, you know, let the evil spirit stay away.
1: Mm. So
0: ancient tradition is not part of the modern celebration. Women should do not uh, do any sewing because needles could puncture the eyes of the dragon. So how are you (laughs) going to make your little perfume bags?
1: I guess you're going to have to make them in advance, a little bit of extra planning.
0: Plant ashes were spread around the house, inside the house, and finally around any Earthen jug to symbolize inviting the dragon to provide enough rain for good harvest.
1: Interesting. Mm. If you're looking to get a haircut, this is actually a lucky day to get a haircut.
0: Oh, I'm going to get a haircut on February 22nd.
1: 24th, 24th. Oh, okay. Not, not today. Not today? <laughs> and also, uh, this is especially important because after a month without getting a haircut in January for the Lunar New Year, people are itching to cut their hairs Mm. this is something i don't really understand
0: you can't cut your hair
1: i don't have a lot of hairs to cut ellen chu okay (laughs) i I I mean
0: i mean you can't cut your hair during the lunar year
1: that's what they say they say you're supposed to cut it right before the lunar new year to get ready for the new year okay and then during the new year you don't want to be cutting hair and stuff like that. okay because you don't want to use scissors in the new year Mm. i guess
0: in guangzhou guangzhou in china it is considered as the birth of the land god people use firecrackers to pray for good weather and good grains.
1: interesting and also because this is a day for worshiping the dragon people would eat foods with the word dragon in them mm. to bring good luck and good weather all year round.
0: Okay. And
1: when we come back in our second course, we're going to tell you about some of those dragon foods mm-hmm. things like uh, dragon teeth, dragon eggs, dragon seeds.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: and I'll let you guess one more time what the dragon ears are in our second course. Okay. So we're going to go into a song called Fei Long Zai Tian, which is in the Taiwanese language. And this mm-hmm. is the theme song from a famous TV show on Formosa TV. Fengtai Ti means the flying dragon in the sky, mm. and the singers here include Zhang Hongen, Jia Jingwen, uh, Huang Shaoqi, and Zhang Feng Shu. They're the people who acted in this uh, telodrama. So we'll have a listen to this song when we come back. In our second course, we're going to bring you an uh, introduction to some dragon foods. <laughs>
5: 你現在世紀 Nan You
2: talk
1: You're listening to Feast Meets West. Second course.
0: Alrighty, so, you know, there are many food that's connected to long because it has like long, the word, the character in it.
1: Can you think of any foods that have, before we look at this list, uh, can you think of any foods that have the word long in it?
0: Shu Tai. L- Longshu Tai. Long tang, yeah. what is
1: that dragon whisker candy yeah oh is that the kind of you, you stretch it yeah. right and it becomes and like
0: and also long yan
1: long yan the longins uh uh-huh. fruit yeah
0: and my favorite
1: one is uh a long shu tai oh so yeah 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 the dragon whiskers mm-hmm. veggie okay or long macarons although that's a translation from french so it's more about the sound well
0: you know yeah we can Uh, cheat you can cheat yeah Yeah.
1: so here are some of the uh, foods that people will have during the uh, second day of the second month on the lunar calendar for the long title dragon raises its head festival The
0: the first one on the list.
1: It's kind of gross. Oh, my
0: God. (laughs) Long Tai it is. It is like the dragon, but it's not a dragon. No. It's Zhu Tou Rou, and it's an entire head of a
1: pig. pig. So, this is more like an offering. Like, if somebody put that on the table in front of me, I don't know that I could get into I'm not going to eat
0: it. Yeah.
1: It's a bit too much. Okay. Then we have the dragon whiskers, Long. Is it Shu?
0: Uh-huh.
1: So, and this is actually a kind of... Noodles, noodles. Mm-hmm. long shu mian. and I think it's just because the noodles are long and thin, so it and looks like whiskers. they're
0: smooth, so mm. when you slurp it, it uh, represents liu, <laughs> ru So everything will be very smooth for you.
1: I like that.
0: I like that one.
1: I should have brought that today because okay. then we could have the sound of a slurping in our show.
0: Oh, long dan.
1: Huh? Dragon eggs.
0: Uh, yeah, but I don't know if this is the same thing that my father used to say, like, you know, uh, my father used to say, like, longtan would be something like potatoes.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. So for here, it's saying that it's 炸油糕, so it's a deep fried uh, cake. Mm-hmm. Uh And this is from Beijing or Tianjin. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're golden in color. Right. And they have the shape of an egg. Uh, and then sometimes they have like kind of a filling inside of it. Right. And it's crispy on the outside. I think it's probably made out of, it looks like maybe... Dough. Dough of some sort. Uh, and then we have dragon teeth, Mm -hmm. long ya, which is wontons.
0: (laughs) They got really soft teeth.
1: Soft teeth, man. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: 小混沌, they, they're... You know, what they're saying, the little wontons, they look like the uh, dragon's eyes. Mm-hmm. And the skin is really thin. And it's like very smooth.
1: Okay. That doesn't sound appetizing. Exactly. Uh, Longzi. So the dragon seeds. Those are grains of rice. That's hilarious.
0: So we're eating their
1: seeds. Kids. Their kids. Their okay. babies. Right. Babies. Their babies.
0: Longyao.
1: So the dragon's waist yes, would be some Chen sort of...
0: Chen Yao Gao, which is kind of like a turnip cake.
1: Like lobo Gao, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so it's also made from glutinous rice. Wow, the uh,
0: way they, you know, describe the dragon is not very <laughs> fearful. <laughs> no.
1: Well, the first one was a little bit scary with okay, the head. I know. <laughs> and then the dragon scales are what are called Chun Bing, so spring cakes. They look like spring rolls to me. They look oh.
0: like spring rolls, yeah, definitely. Mm. 吃龍龍, so it's kind of like their scales, okay? Mm. And what it says that the shape looks like the scale. Okay. Oh, okay.
1: So I think this is kind of uh just fun for people to do as well. Mm-hmm. Um and inside our, it says that it has uh it has shredded pork mm-hmm. and it has the um Kuchar leaves, so Jo Jo high, right? mm mm-hmm. Uh, and then they have do ya. So it's uh bean sprouts.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then they stir fry it all together with an egg, um, and then they make the mixture out of it. Mm. So the big question, Ellen Chu, dragon ears, what do you think they are? We're gonna be sampling them in our third course today.
0: Okay, you say we eat it a lot, right?
1: Mm, yeah, we do.
0: Hmm.
1: Hmm. Should I play some thinking music? Do 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 do. I doo. said
0: give me some hint.
1: Okay. So it's a very common uh food that people would have for lunch or dinner. Um, and you can find them in restaurants all over Taipei. It's uh, very common. It's probably as common as many of the things we just mentioned, if not more common. And they're small. <laughs> They would fit in the palm of my hand. Savory. Okay. They they have a filling. (laughs) Baozi. Oh, super close, but not. Correct. One more guess, and then we're gonna go into a song. Gua bao. So those are like the steamed Mm manto steamed buns Mm -hmm. filled with stuff. Also close, they are actually boiled and not steamed. Okay. All right. I give up. Okay, we're gonna go into a song. I'll give you the answer when we come back in a moment. All right. This is called Yue Guang Guang by Long Wang. So it is the what is the full moon? Let's pray to the dragon god, the Mm -hmm. dragon king, and this is in the Hakka language by Xie Yuwei.
0: Okay.
5: (laughs) you
1: Okay, we are going to be sampling dragon's ears in our third course, and I'm going to bring them over to you, and you can uh, have a look and see what it is.
0: Okay. All right. show it to me.
1: Okay, here I come.
0: Better be good. You better be good.
1: Here you go. Oh, 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 wait. Yes? Guotie. No. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. Oh, what is it? Hey, what is? It?
0: Dumplings.
1: That's right. Really? Go ahead and grab one.
0: You know, this is just like a soft little animal.
1: <laughs> soft little
0: soft animal. teeth. And, you know, he has soft ears and soft body.
1: So basically, mm. these are boiled dumplings with a uh, kind of like a, a skin on the outside, mm. a little wrapper, a soft Wrapper. And on the inside, it has uh, ground pork and uh, these are So it's, it's good. It's got Chinese leeks in it. Mm-hmm. Is it good?
0: It's very good. I think I just ate, you know, the dragon's ear.
1: <laughs> Does it taste like an ear would taste, Ellen Chu? But, That's the question. But,
0: you know, I really never really, you know, seen how the dragon ear looked like. Have you seen one?
1: I have never seen a dragon, Ellen Chu, so
0: I've never seen a dragon in my life.
1: I guess I didn't know that they had ears. Don't most reptiles not have ears? I know. Hmm.
0: So they're not a reptile. Hmm. Right?
1: I find it very confusing, Ellen I'm Chu. very
0: confusing, too.
1: Hmm. All right. So let me tell you a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. It says that in the past... um. When medicine wasn't like very well developed, mm-hmm. um, they just said it was very difficult to get over illnesses. Um, so uh, people believed that the Long Taito Festival mm-hmm. um, would be a good time to, I guess, get rid of all the illnesses and pestilence. And so if you eat these dragon ears, then the dragon will protect your body and keep you safe and get rid of all of the illnesses. And so even to this day, some people say 二月二吃睡觉, 白病额, 蛀龙体外跑. So then if you eat these uh, dumplings on the uh, second day of the second lunar month, then the uh, dragon will keep all of these uh, illnesses away from your body. Really? I mean, of course, we still recommend going to see a doctor. (laughs)
0: I highly recommend that, okay?
1: Mm, but we do like these little cultural kind of fun facts that have been passed down mm-hmm. by history, even if they're not necessarily... But
0: they're cute. Good
1: advice, yeah.
0: It's cute. I mean, it's a game you can play in the house, right? So mm-hmm. we're going to eat dragon ear today.
1: And are you going to bring these home for your uh, kids and have them eat dragon ears?
0: I'm going to, you know, one day make dumplings and tell them that tonight we're going to have dragon ears.
1: And see, they're probably going to go,
0: "Ew, well, mommy, there's no dragon.
1: I think you should do it next Monday. Okay. Because Monday will be the Dragon uh, the Long Taito Festival. It's okay. It's the perfect day to Will do Do that with your kids. Will do. Alrighty, so that's our show about Long Tai
0: Interesting. This yeah. is the first time we talked about this. I mean, every festival, I think we go, you know, we have went through so mm-hmm. many times that people mm-hmm. probably know the stories already. But this one is new.
1: This one is new. I try to do something new now and again. Try to do something new.
0: Well, that's good.
1: That's right. We
0: feel new and fresh in 2020.
1: That's right. Just for you, boo-boo.
0: Okay. Thank you, (laughs) boo-boo.
1: All righty. So if you feel like writing to us, we'd love to give you our addresses. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Yes. Our address is PO Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. Email us at androo at rti.org.tw.
1: And join us Saturday for another fabulous edition of Feast Meets. West Yes One final song today
0: And of course This song title is called Long Dragon Dragon
1: And it's by Chen Re Or Derek T Yeah Wow Yeah there okay. we go Okay So for free success I'm Andrew Ryan
0: This is Ellen Chu
1: I'll see you next week bye Bye bye
5: Je